0: We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for salvation in His name. Lord, we thank you for your mercy in our lives. We thank you for what our brothers and sisters have shared with us as we sung praise to your name. We thank you for that. We thank you for your kindness to us and your grace to us. And I pray that you might tonight speak to our hearts in a very real way, that we might hear your word and understand it, and that you might teach us what you have for us tonight. It's good for us to be together. We thank you for the many who, we hear our boys and girls outside, we our students uh, meeting, and all of our children and grandchildren and all of our Bible studies going on And choir. We thank you for our church. We thank you for the great work that you are doing, in our salvation comes only in your name. So we ask that tonight as we go back now to the book of Exodus that we might see the hand of God and the salvation that you have given to Israel uh, makes salvation in Jesus Christ possible. And we tie these things together and understand them as we go back now to these ancient times and see how very real they are and how many truths they teach us for the days in which we live. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight, that we might uh, put aside those things in our lives today, that have the ways in which we've sinned, and forgive us of our sins so that we might accept and receive your word as we read it, hear it, and that we might leave this place doing what you've called us to do and do your word, live your word in our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good to see all of you, and I'm going to... Uh, Let me do a little work here, excuse me. Standing on that is like you feel like you're standing on some kind of an execution platform. All right, I have no idea what I'm about to do to the picture. Hello folks, if you're here, God bless you. I'm glad, class, all of you are in your seats. We've taken roll, and that's good. You're here for your next hour, so you don't fail this course. Roy, there's going to be a big test at the end of this. You better know the book of Exodus when it's open. Anyway, it's great to see all of you. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you don't have the outline, you can find them there at the sides of the door. So tonight, we go through the Red Sea, folks. That's quite a... Uh, Quite an important event in the life of Israel. And I would simply say it to you like this. Had had God not saved Israel, we could never be saved in Jesus Christ. Did you know that? These things all tie together. They link together. So let's read, first of all, Exodus 14. It's always good before we have, have all of our comments and thoughts and I give you some observations on these things. It's always better to just let the Word of God So, if you have your Bibles, find your place, Exodus chapter 14. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell the sons of Israel to turn back and uh, to camp before Pihirith, uh, between Migoth and the sea, you shall camp in front of Baal-Zephon and uh, opposite it by the sea. The two phrases that are very important, the, the, the phrase by the sea. Of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. And he took 600 select chariots and all of the chariots of Egypt with officers uh, over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them, camping by the sea. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very (coughs) frightened, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have Taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you... Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall in the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind the pillar of cloud, moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came uh, came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was the cloud along with the darkness. Yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit. And all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak. While the Egyptians were fleeing right into it, Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, the focal truth tonight at the top of your outline. And now we'll go back and look at these uh, these words and break them apart a little bit and get some observations. Uh, God leads his people out of the bond. So 400 plus years, 430 years of tyranny, 430 years of bondage. We've said it. I've said it multiple times in this group. That's about 20 The 22 generations. That's how long it takes. That's how many generations, about 400 years approximately, would include. All that uh, these people had known was tyranny and bondage. When you've only known what it's like to be lost, you don't know anything about what it means or what it looks like to be saved. Mm -hmm. I've said this to you repeatedly. This This is the condition of your friends and mine who are lost tonight. Who do not know God. Who are not believers in Jesus Christ. They, all they know is what they know. And that's normal to them. They don't know any other way to live. They don't know any other way but to chase after their corruptions and their perversions and their uh, and their passions and their uh, their wickedness and follow their desires of their flesh. That's all they know. They don't know any. That's normal to them. That's what Paul calls the natural man. The natural person. Born into this world just like you and I were, until, praise God, you experience salvation in Jesus Christ. So tonight we begin to see this word. This word starts to occur, this word to be saved. This word that's used over and over, and we know it well as Baptists, to be saved by God's grace. Salvation through God. What we have here, however, is this historic event, not a story made up, but a historic event of well over 2 million Jews crossing the sea on dry land miraculously. It takes the power of God to save us. So what does what do we see here? Several things. And I want us to walk through these, and I've given you about uh, 10 things. I've broken the chapter down in this outline by 10 ways. And then I want to really get to tonight if I don't chase too many rabbits. And and if you think of Pat's here tonight, so I'm glad my wife is in person. And what Pat and I have a little system. We've been doing this a long time. <clears throat> so when I get to going too long or in the wrong direction, Pat will do like this with her hand across her throat. <laughs> which <means it> all. <laughs> but, and she's right here on the front row so that I can clearly see her. So I want to get to the things to remember because it is what I want to try to apply. But it's important for us all. You know, I'm not going to assume anybody in here knows. We all know about this Red Sea crossing and we all, uh, you know, have our own ideas about it. But did you know that this is the second time God has saved Israel already? The second time God saved Israel in the night. When was the first time? Passover. Don't come out of your houses. Put the blood on the doorposts. Put it on the lintel. Kill the lamb. There's the message. Every household, kill your lamb. Spread the blood. Sprinkle it on and don't come out of the house. Till morning. God has already saved them. They have marched out by the millions out of, <clears throat> out of uh, Egypt. After all of these generations bloated down with the goods of the Egyptians. Gold, silver, all they could carry, and all their unleavened bread. That's what they took out. And so the Lord's given them some clear instructions as to already, we saw it last week, chapter 13. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to practice. Here are some of your ordinances when you get to the promised land. But now we come back to the story. Now the Lord spoke to Moses. This is why I've called this study, Moses, a man who heard from God. This phrase, now the Lord spoke to Moses, as i mentioned to you, is, and some of you are very detailed people, you can count it for yourself. It's well over a hundred times that this phrase is used in the book of Exodus. God is speaking to Moses, and then Moses is speaking to the people. This becomes very important. Preachers could learn something from that. Listen to what God has to say from His Word and then you have something to say to God's people. You're not called to be an entertainer. You're called to be a proclaimer, a messenger of God's Word. So the focal truth here is God leads His people out of the bondage and tyranny of Egypt. So God speaks to Moses out in the wilderness and notice how logistical He is. He tells The sons, you go and say to the sons of Israel, turn back. Wait a minute. We just left. That's right. Turn back. God has strange ways of leading us, doesn't He? If you're saved, the Word of God says clearly that as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. God has strange ways of leading us. So all of a sudden, They got all the stuff. They got the the blessing of Pharaoh. Get out of here. Take all your animals. Take it all. Go. They got all their animals. They got all their herds. They got all these spoils from the Egyptians. They have got it all. They're making progress. And now the Lord speaks to Moses and says, Turn back. Turn back. And go back in camp. And he gives them the location. But the key word is, well, you know, if you've been to the ocean, there's there's really way out there. It goes for a long ways. There's no land. There's nowhere to go. You're cut off. You go to the ocean, and there you are. The only way back is back this other way. Turn back and go to the sea and camp opposite of, as he says here, by El Zephon and sit by the sea. Camp by the sea. Your face is toward the sea and your back is toward Egypt and toward the wilderness and the ground you've already covered. Has God ever called you to turn back? Has God ever sent you back somewhere where you were supposed to go? I think of, I think of Patrick who was uh, in the 4th century. Patrick was one of the early church fathers. Uh, There's a lot of myth about St. Patrick that uh, the Roman Catholic Church has made up about him. But Patrick was uh, a boy who grew up in Britain, but he was captured and and, uh, as a little boy taken to Ireland to be a slave. He escaped and he got saved when he got back to Britain. And you know what he did? He turned around and went back to the people who enslaved him. And became a great gospel preacher in his day. Has God ever told you to turn back? Go back. There's something for you that I need you to do. Well, God leads Israel to the sea with no way forward. God led them to a place of impossibility. They could not save themselves. And they were in a bad place. And now we come to the picture of, here we are again with Pharaoh. This uh, tyrant and uh, this um, this uh, wicked king, godless king, who refused to hear the word of God, as Moses said to him many times. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. So now, notice what Pharaoh does. Pharaoh now plans to kill Israel. He's changed his mind. He's changed his mind, and now he wants Israel gone. So Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, Look, see, he's he's got a false idea. He's forgotten that. He doesn't know about the pillar of cloud by day and night. He doesn't know God's provision. He doesn't know what God's been doing with them. He just says, look at these silly Jews. They're out there wandering aimlessly in the land, verse 3, and they're all shut in. they got nowhere to go. I've got them now. I've got the advantage. So, the Lord says to Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. We saw this when the plagues came. No matter how much God uh, no matter how many times God sent a plague, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. It's going to be the same way in the last days, and trials, when men will cry for the rocks to fall on them, but they won't cry to God to save them. That's what's going to happen. That's coming. The end of all things is near. And here we see what happens to sinners' hearts when their heart is hardened. They just go deeper into sin. I hope you're listening to me. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 1. When God gives people over to their sin and their their minds are so twisted and so confused, they have depraved minds and they do all kinds of perversions and crazy. They think in crazy ways that are beyond nature, beyond the natural ways and the created order. And they're under the wrath of God and the judgment of God. And we're living in this day just like every generation. Look around you. The wrath of God is being revealed because God is giving hardened sinners who will not repent over to their sin. If you want it, here it is. And Pharaoh is a picture of this. His heart was hardened and he'll close them off. And I've notice now verse 4, I will be honored through Pharaoh. You see, God gains glory from all that he does even in the, are you listening? The judgment of sinners. God is honored and glorified in the judgment of sinners who will not repent. This phrase will become very important. I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his armies. And the Egyptians, please notice, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. There's our phrase. If you've been walking with me through Exodus, what was the first thing that God said to Moses when he was complaining I am the Lord. That's all you need. I am the Lord. Are you listening tonight? That's all you need. The Lord Jesus Christ, the great I am. That's all you need. I am the Lord. So here we see it again. So the king of Egypt, verse 5, is told that the people have fled. So Pharaoh and his servants, they, they, they turned their hearts and said, you know, what have we done? Why did we let these people go? And again, now what does he do? He gets all of his chariots together. gets 600 select chariots. And here he goes. Verse 8. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he chased after them. And the sons of Israel were going out boldly. So here they come. And here goes Israel. And God has told them. While, while uh, Pharaoh is approaching God is telling Israel to turn back toward the sea. Where is God? What is He doing? Why would He direct us to do such things as this? So, we discover here that uh, Israel becomes fearful of death and complains to Moses. Those of you who have studied the Word of God, most of you in this room backgrounds enough, yes, you know the Word of God, but... How many times will we see in the book of Exodus, we've got a long ways to go, that Israel complains, Israel gripes. Israel moans? Well, here we have it. They've already been somewhat reluctant, but they did obey God and they did what they were to do at Passover and with the unleavened bread and they moved on out of of Egypt as Israel was told to do. So now Israel becomes fearful. Notice they're complaining. Here we go. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt and now you've brought us out here to die in the wilderness? First of all, did you notice they became frightened and they cried to the Lord, but they complained to Moses, the man of God, the leader. They cried and cried out in their fear to God, but they complained to Moses. Well, weren't there enough graves for us to die in Egypt? We already had our grave plots picked out, Moses. We already had our families settled anyway. Why in the world? Why in the world? Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? And why have you dealt with us in this way? Bringing us out of Egypt. As if Moses could move two million people. By himself. Is this not the word which we spoke to you? Leave us alone. We're really okay in our bondage and our sin even though we read many times in the early chapters and won't go back. How many times they cried out to God? How many times? Release us. Free us. Get us out of this bondage. Get us out of this. Deliver us. Save us. Rescue us. How easy. You know what fear does? It makes you absent minded of what you've asked God for in the past. That's what fear will do. It'll brainwash you. It'll brainwash you from The promises of God. It'll brainwash you. It'll freeze you in time. It'll terrorize you. Fear is is something we've seen all around us in these days. Fear terrorizes people. It brainwashes you. It removes from you your faith. It takes away your confidence and hope. That's why I'm talking about what I am on Sunday mornings. About hope in God. The grace of hoping in God. For it would have been better for us they're saying this. These are people who are about to be delivered finally completely from Egypt. They've already been rescued. They all heard the great cries all night long on Passover night. They heard it. They knew the neighbors that were their Egyptian neighbors who lost firstborn. They've seen it. They've heard it. They've experienced already salvation. And now they're saying it'd just be better if we were back in Egypt. Following God. It's better maybe for me just to go back to what I used to do. Don't go back in your life, my friend. Don't go back. I promise you this. If you're saved, there's nothing that you can find in your old life that's worth going back to. Nothing. It was all a mirage and a joke anyway. It was all vanity and emptiness anyway. The realness of life only comes to be when you know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. So Moses here. Here he goes. Here we are. Here's the leader. But Moses says, do not fear. This is verse 13. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. Here it is. That great word is now introduced stand by and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today for the Egyptians for the Egyptians whom you have seen will never be seen you will never see them again forever the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent why are you crying to me the Lord says to Moses next but let's take just a moment and look at these four words of promise that were given by Moses to Israel. It's his sermon. Here's Moses' sermon at the Red Sea with with Pharaoh and the armies marching in on them and they have nowhere to go. And the only thing Moses had, listen, were the words of God. The only things you may have are God's words when you face certain circumstances in your life. The only thing you may have is God's word. So live by it. Act on it, accept the promises of it, and move on. That's what we must learn to do. Just as Moses. Moses had the word from God. Moses gave this word to the people of God. Do not fear. What has our Lord said? Back to my point earlier. How sad it is to see people terrorized by fear in our world. And they work with you. They may live in your house. They may be it may be your children or grandchildren. It may be someone here in the church. Fear. God does not intend for us to live as fearful people. God has called us to be courageous and be people of faith in a world of people who are filled with fear. They may act like they're not, but no fear is common to every man because at the end of the day, people are afraid to die. They're afraid to die. And boy, have we seen. Well, you might die from this virus. Or you might die of a heart attack. Or you might die crossing the street. Or you might die in some other way. Death is coming. Hell is moving. This is the whole thing we sing about. Do not fear God's people. This is what Moses says. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. He will accomplish it for you. And the Egyptians will never be seen. And then what's this great word in verse 14? This is for all of us tonight. The Lord will fight for you. And aren't you glad that the Lord... Jesus has fought for us and finished the work of salvation. Aren't you glad tonight, folks? Aren't you glad? You talk about a fight. You talk about the fight of fights, the battle of battles. The Lord will fight for you. So what, does, what happens to Moses? Well, then he starts crying. The man of God who has the word of God, and he's crying to God. Oh, Lord, we don't have what he's saying. But apparently the Lord was not too impressed because now for the second time the Lord says to Moses... Why are you crying? You know, what was that movie? There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in the wilderness, Moses. Quit crying. Notice, tell the people to go forward. Wait a minute. The sea is in the front of us. Yes, go forward. Go forward to the sea. As for you, Lift up your staff. Has Moses become very attached to that staff? You all know in this room what all the staff of Moses has already done. You know this shepherd staff that has the power of God on it? So lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Go forward, raise your staff, and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And then notice what God says. And as for me, here's what I'm going to do. I will harden the hearts of Egypt so that they will go in after them, and I'll be honored, second time we see it, I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians, second time, will know when I am honored through Pharaoh Through his chariots and his horsemen. Well, that's a pretty clear thing, isn't it? God's going to do his part. You do your part. Your part is to obey. Do what I told you to do, Moses. Raise your staff and let's be on with it. So now notice the the pillar of clouds. See it. There is this wonderful, wonderful picture of God's protection over Israel at the sea as they crossed on dry ground. Now it's night and yet there's this strange cloud and on one side is you know, Egypt is in the dark and yet on the other side Israel is in light as they're there at the sea. What a magnificent thing this has been. Can you imagine already the things that Israel has seen? what they've seen in Passover, what they've seen with the the Egyptians begging them to take all their stuff. Here, just take it all. Go, get, go, go. And now they're seeing it again. They've seen already the provision of God. They've seen this pillar of cloud, this strange, uh, the angel of the Lord God has sent before them in this pillar of cloud. And so now there's darkness on Egypt's side and their camp and there's light on Israel's side. And, the, and they're to begin now. To cross over. So God opens the sea and they pass over. Verse 21. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord swept the sea back. Notice by a strong east wind all night. And turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. And the sons of Israel, 22, went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. What a glorious, unbelievable, supernatural miracle is done for Israel. Just like the supernatural miracle of you and I being saved and changed by the power of God. So, God saves Israel in the night, just as he had done at Passover. And what happens? Well, the Egyptians are left in confusion. Uh, They don't know what's going on. There is great confusion. Uh, I love it in verse 24. At the morning, watch the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. And the Egyptians were in confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve. God actually was affecting their machinery hearing me? God affected their actual equipment their machinery, their wheels and he caused their chariot wheels to swerve and he made them drive with difficulty these are master charioteers these are the best of the best of Pharaoh and they can't even drive their chariot and finally they say The Lord is fighting for them. The Lord is fighting for them. So what do they do? They were trying to get out of the... They they followed... They're out in the water. But they want to get out of the water. But the Lord says to Moses, Now stretch out your hand. And the waters will come back. Well, he did. And what happens? All of Pharaoh's armies were destroyed in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned, verse 28, and covered the chariots. Even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them, not one of them remained. Not one of them. The second devastating blow to Egypt. Remember, not one household in Egypt was spared From the destroying angel and now the entire army, not one man, not one soldier remained. All were destroyed. When God judges, his judgment on sinners is complete. It is complete. When you look into the eyes of those you know who are lost, unless they are saved, they will one day be judged by God and spend eternity in hell. Does that matter to us? See, this is what we must think about. We worry, we write, we talk about how terrible the world is. Why would we expect the world to be any other way than it is? They're lost in their sin. Lost people act like lost people. They do corrupt things. They do wicked, ungodly things. They're not saved. So sometimes my saved friends, and we talk about as if we're mad at the lost, they do what pigs do. You can paint them up put bows in the, all around their neck and paint their toenails they're gonna to go back to the mud. You can get your dog and make him all pretty but you know if they vomit they're gonna lick it up. Sorry I'm not trying to be gross it's just the truth and that's what the Word of God says. Like a dog returns to the vomit or a pig to the mud. It's natural for a sinner to sin. Why are we so why is that such a shock to the church? We're here to share with them how to not go to hell. How to be saved and be born again. This is our mission and our purpose. Or the Lord would have gone ahead and taken us on to heaven. He left us here to do something. Israel has been saved now. And they look over and the seashore, verse 30, is filled with dead Egyptians. And Israel sees it with their own eyes. Well, what kind of an effect does this have on these griping, complaining, ungrateful Israelites who've already been saved by God twice? How complaining when God has saved us? That's what I've never gotten I've never understood that. Why do I gripe so much when I've been saved so much? Well, it's in my nature, I guess. I don't think I'm alone in this room. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel, please notice in your Bible, verse 30, they saw them dead. And when Israel saw the great power which Yahweh had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant. You know why the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge? you'll never be saved until you fear God. You'll never be saved until you fear God. So what do we need to remember tonight as we move along? Well, I have a number of things and I have a few minutes to do this. I want you to linger with me on this because now we've heard the history. Now we've heard the history. Let's take this beyond this now and apply it to us. I first want to remind you again of this fact that every one of us, by the way, this is not a... There are no coincidences. There is no chance with God. Everything is perfectly designed by God. You're here tonight, and those of you, all of you in this room, I believe, everyone here is a member of this church. God led you here to be a part of this group of people for this time in your life. It is in the purposes and plan of God for you to be here. You may not have planned it. You may not have thought it was going to be like that. You may have had other ideas, but here you are. Here I am. We're all here. So when you were saved, God began to do wonderful things to show you and lead you. He leads us. The Lord is my shepherd. We love that, don't we? The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have any needs. He leads me. That's what it says. He leads me. And I want to, again, remind all of you, my brothers and sisters, God leads you. God is seeking to lead you by the Holy Spirit. We will will allow Israel to be our example. Are we going to resist God's leadership in our lives or are we going to follow His leadership? We know that the early church had to learn to do this. What's the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit said, do this. The Holy Spirit said, do that. The Holy Spirit says to First Baptist Church, The Holy Spirit says to you as followers of Jesus. He speaks to you and expects out of us as individuals that we will follow him. God leads his people through impossible situations in order that they might trust him. If it's not impossible, I won't trust God. I'll try to do it on my own. So look at this. This is one of my most favorite psalms because it is so true for me and it's true for you in your life. Your way was in the sea. That's right. If you're going to follow Jesus, it goes through the sea. Your way was in the sea, and look at this, your paths in the mighty waters. Okay, I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Well, good. Go through the the impossible. Go through the sea. Follow the Lord right through the sea. Your way was in the sea, and your paths in the mighty waters, and your footprints may not be known. God provides leaders to lead his people to follow him. God provides leaders. And so in Psalm 7, so Moses was the leader here. As God establishes in each of his churches, leaders, as I've been called here to be your pastor. We have others who are pastors that God gives to the church, Ephesians. The pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Why is Pastor Mike doing that? Well... If I'm following the Lord and listening to Him and seeking to do what I think is best for us and I need need to say to this church what I need to, that's what my conversations are about on Sunday and on Wednesdays. That's what I do. I seek to say to you what I believe God wants us to hear as a group. Do, Do we do it perfectly? Of course not. I'm trying to follow the Lord through the sea just like you are. But we walk together and God gives leadership. Psalm 103.7 He he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the son of Israel. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. We're going to see jealousy come up about leadership later on in this from his own family, for heaven's sakes. So leadership is a matter of God's purposes in leading his people. So we must learn that God provides leaders. We may not be the leader we like or the one we want, or our special kind, or the one we're most impressed with, but that's not really any of our assignment. Leaders are also sent sometimes to places they don't want to go to do what they're supposed to do. How many times did Moses say, well, I really can't. I'm not qualified. Well, you're going. The Lord said. And by the way, I'll send your brother with you. Like Egypt, who was destroyed by the sea, at the sea by God, our adversary, the devil, has been defeated at the cross. Aren't you glad of that tonight? The old adversary, the liar, the trickster, he's never changed his ways. We're not ignorant of his devices. As Paul says, his tricks are all the same. It's the same. same he blinds the minds of those who are not believing look those people you know and I know who are lost have blinded minds they cannot comprehend the Word of God because their Satan has blinded their minds to the truth and when we preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit goes to work guess what that's the power of God that starts to stir in their lives just like it did in your life and in mine and the scales start to fall off and they see the Lord Jesus Christ our adversary for a little while continues his his attacks but the lake of fire is his final destiny. Forever he will burn in that place. We just don't want any of our friends burning with him. Forever. Mm-hmm. But you have a real adversary. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. you got a battle on your hands. Are you ready and equipped to fight the battle? Are you ready like Israel at the sea, our fear and lack of faith causes us to look back at our past bondage and think it's better than our current condition of following God. Lord, I got saved and my life's falling apart. Congratulations. That's God's way. Somebody says, Well, Pastor Mike, everything's really going good in my life. Well, your life's not over. You didn't get that, did you? <laughs> I'm trying to bring you bad news. I'm just trying to be a truth. And that's the truth. Some days the sun shines and some days the storms rage. So will you walk with God? Oh, you know, it may be easier to trust God in the storm than in the sunshine. Be careful if you're having those days of ease. That's when you can find yourself back in the place you don't want to be. In sin. In sin. Psalm 106, 7. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindness, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Like Israel at the sea, salvation in Jesus Christ brings honor and glory to God. Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name. That He might make known His power. I've laced together for you some of the great Psalms that celebrate and praise God for the deliverance of Israel at the Red Sea. That's what what Psalm 77, Psalm 78, 106, when you go into the detail of it, it is the great event. It's the great glorious story of the salvation of Israel. I said it to you at the beginning. Had God not saved Israel at the Red Sea, we would never be saved in the Lord Jesus Christ because He comes from Jews. Salvation is from the Jews who were saved by God so that we might be saved. Like Israel at the sea, salvation in Jesus Christ reveals his power over death and the grave. That's why Paul was talking about and I I prayed for you. I prayed for me that we would really truly understand and know the surpassing greatness of God's power as we believe. Do you know that greatness of his power? Do you know it? Do you experience it? This is not just something in your mind that you acknowledge, yeah, well, God has power. No, have you seen and experienced the power of God in your life? If you're saved, the answer is yes. Paul goes on and says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Like Israel at the sea, stand still and quietly trust God as he is glorified through your life. He led them safely so that they did not fear but the sea engulf their enemies. The adversary is after you to discredit your faith in God. And the Lord is leading you safely, though it looks like He's leading you through the most dangerous places you could ever go. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. Lord, are we going to go there? Yeah, we're going there. Let's go. Move on. And I love what uh, the book of Exodus is going to say this several times. It's time to go. The Lord sometimes has to say to us, because we get real settled where we are. We really like where we are. We get settled says, no, Mike, it's time for you to go. I don't want to go. It's time to go. Time to move on. Israel, time to move on. And to all my brothers and sisters in this room, He will lead you safely, even though you think you are in the most desperate circumstance of life. Like Israel at the sea, God's loving kindness surrounds us. It's like the cloud that protected them. This is another one of my great, I love this verse. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord. Listen, are you listening to the word of God? Loving kindness shall surround him or her. God's love, like the cloud for Israel, surrounds you. You are loved by God. If you are loved by God, whatever you're going through, God has approved of it for you. And like Israel at the sea, God's salvation produces fear of God and trust in Him. What great fear of God ought to come when we see how much how different our lives are since we've been saved. So we end with how this uh, chapter ends. Let's just read it for our final benediction if we call it that. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Well, may God bless the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, Mm-hmm. saved, saved, saved life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved, saved thank you for saving us out of our wretched, wickedness and godlessness no matter how old we were thank you for saving us thank you for salvation we rejoice in in salvation in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for saving Israel so that we might be saved through Jesus Christ. Bless our fellowship now as we go. Bless the families of this church. And your word be good to us tonight, and may we live by it now as we go. May we not be afraid. May we know that you fight for us and that you are with us. And you lead us in the best way though it may seem like the worst way. And we trust you with that. And we confidently, joyfully hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Good to see all of you. Say hello to somebody if you don't know them tonight. And uh, Pat didn't have to get a kill sign, so good. Praise the Lord. See you Sunday. Hope in God. Hope in God. Be careful on the steps, walking down from these steps. They are a little steep. Be careful.